Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic starting now. Welcome to today's episode of Exploring the Prophetic. And I'm really always excited about this show, but I'm really excited today because I'm joining Christina Lowe on who are pastors of one of the just the best churches in LA. I just love this church so much. It's called Oasis Church. And uh, they've just helped define some things in the city over the years. If you know Christine Kane and several others, they came out of, you know, having being conference speakers at this church and getting known through the church activity, but also just what they've done for the poor. It's a very racially integrated church. It's very like the Wagners who were the first pastors, the founding pastors of the church, just did such an awesome job for so many years. And we at our church, our local church, Expression 58, that I'm on uh, the board of and helped start plant years ago when I was giving my church over as a senior pastor to the new senior pastors who had helped found the church, Jennifer and Hona Toledo. What was cool is that during that season, a group from Oasis came over who had been on staff and been in leadership and been really well-trained came over and helped Jen and Hona kind of plant 2.0 of our church and are still with us today, our worship pastors and our associate pastors and just different people. And we're so grateful because we've inherited. So we're almost like an unofficial church plan in a way uh, in this season because of so many of the people we inherited there uh, in such a beautiful way. But Julian and Christina, they are passionate about reaching people. And I love that. They are uh, people who've been in ministry now for quite a while, over 10 years. They've been in the film industry as well. Christina worked in the film industry for 10 years as well. Julian and uh, Christina met at Oasis where they married in 2012 and became lead pastors October 2019. And uh, they are the kind of people that are listening to God and have been able to create a thriving in the sense of a really tough season, obviously, for the uh, American church, for the world at large, for the pandemic, for the, the racial issues, the political issues that are going on. And Oasis, I feel like, is a, a thought leader, a spiritual leader in how to focus on Jesus and who he is in his kingdom in the midst of all that and have a thriving community. And some of the things that God led them to, do before the pandemic and before everything broke out is so amazing. Like, I'm like, wow, he not only prepared you, but you guys were ready. You were pandemic ready. I don't know anyone else who was like everyone else struggled and had to use adaptive or reactive energy, but they were, they were ready because of what God had done and spoken to them about, which I think is really important for us to hear too, how God makes us ready and how God causes us when we walk with him to know our times and seasons and how to prepare, even when it seems awkward or weird at times. So I'm going to be asking him about that and digging deep about that, but you don't want to miss the show with Julian and Christina Lowe. Hi, this is Shannon from the Bowls team. I want to tell you about an exciting offer for our brand new book, Wired to Hear, written by Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. It's about connecting God's voice to your life, influence, and career. If you work for a living or run your own business and you desire to hear God's voice for yourself in the workplace, this is the book for you. Right now, you can pre-order Wired to Hear through bowlsministries.com. You'll receive a signed copy, a submission for a free grant, and many other exclusive offers only available through bowlsministries.com. Grab your copy today. 
Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have Julian and Christina. You guys, thanks for being on Exploring the Prophetic today. We're so excited. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. This is so exciting. You guys are such storytellers and you're just such real life people. I love that. I know we're going to be able to pull from some really great stories from your life. And I know in this season of LA, I mean, what a weird season for the whole world. But being in one of the biggest cities, and, and Barta Group had said just like eight or nine years ago, LA was the hardest place to have a church or plant a church. And you guys have one of the most successful churches in LA. It's one of my favorite churches here. Our pastors, Hona and Jennifer, who where I go to church, they would say the same thing. We just are so grateful, not only that you exist, but that you guys are the pastors. And so it's awesome to have you guys on the show today, because I know we're going to hear some of the stories about just, I'm hoping to hear some of the origin stories about even that, like how you guys got involved. I know them personally, but I want to hear them for our audience, but also what God's telling you in the midst of pastoring an amazing church in the midst of a pandemic and what God's doing. I mean, I just think it's a really relevant conversation. That's a very integrated church. All nations are there, not just American people, not just American races, but all nations go to you guys' church and a lot of industry people, a lot of entrepreneurs. And then you guys do a lot with uh, just people who are marginalized as well. So, so you have such a well-rounded community to be able to face the political stuff, the racism stuff, the government stuff, the, I guess it's political too. <laughs> the, the, you know, during the pandemic, it's like, you guys are in it. You're in the thick of it. So, so thanks for being willing to be on the show and just have some conversation. We'll see where, where, where it goes, so to speak, but let's go back into like, I love seeing your, your faces. I know our audience can't see you cause we're on video, but you guys are unique, super unique, even to each other. Like, how did you guys get married? Like, let's, we got to go there first. Oh my gosh. How do we get married? Well, um, <laughs> cause there's a God story here. Oh, for sure. You know, um, I, and I'll keep this as, as brief as I can. I dated someone for 11 and a half years from oh, I know. 98 to, to pretty much, uh, April of 2010. Wow. And I got saved in a powerful God encounter in the apartment that I was living with this girlfriend in 2008 and got saved. God visited me. It was a crazy Holy Spirit thing. And then she that same experience did not happen for her. And that created this split. So around April of 2010, I'm sitting in a living room and she's getting ready to go hang out with her friends. And I told turn to my friend and go, I'm living the wrong life. Wow. This is not where I'm supposed to be. That's who not, not who I'm supposed to be with. This is the wrong life. Like wow. it wasn't even with the wrong person. I was like, I'm in the wrong life and broke up with her or moved out, broke up with her within a week, moved out, um, January, uh, excuse me, J- June of 2010. Um, devastated, obviously lost this girl that had been with 11 and a half years I go visit Oasis wow. for the first time in September of 2010. Very first Sunday, my friend Chris invited me and he says, hey, man, I know you're super discouraged. You want to have a family one day. You're trying to follow God. Oasis is the perfect place to go because there's so many great single girl- girls here if you want to. <laughs> and this, this is a quote. And he goes, it's amazing. And, this, and he goes, matter of fact, here's one of them right now. Hey, Christina, come meet my friend Julian. And I had never stepped foot in the church. Crosswalk. She was the first human that I had met from Oasis. And then I was doing music and writing songs at the time. And so several months later, um, he uh, said we wanted this uh, someone to mentor this girl we were working with. 
And he says, remember that girl, Christina, I introduced you to? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I think she'd be the perfect mentor for this artist we're working with. And we met with her. Wow. Mentor this artist. This was in January of 2011. And within two weeks, a week or so, we were we were dating. And I knew she was my wife. Like, I just knew it. And we started this whirlwind of craziness. And from the day we started dating, January 21st Literally. of 2011, we were married one year later, January 21st, 2012. Oh, that's and so that cool. Pretty much like in a nutshell, how it happened. That's the Cliff Notes version. The Cliff Notes. Yeah. Oh, it's I so cool. Got it out quick. You did do Christina, that. would you add anything? Is there anything you would add to it? Well, you know, there's always his side and her side. So... Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it, it's pretty similar. And one of the things that was really cool. About- <laughs> I love that. Pretty For similar. Once. Yeah. Once. Now, I'll say this. Today's my anniversary is free. Dang. And oh, we dang. both tell our story 100% differently, but there's it, 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 it completely has parallel and right. But we yeah. just would tell it, you know, like we laugh when we tell our story because it's so unique. So yeah. It's very funny. Um, but one of the things that was really cool when we started hanging out and getting to know each other and talking is that our lives had really paralleled each other's. We had gone through similar like relationship things and just similar hearing from God in different seasons. And um, so, yes, that's how it happened. But what was really cool about it was just how when we first started getting to know each other, just how God had shaped our lives pretty much in the same direction um, to get to that point. So, wow. Yeah. And you guys, neither one of you was ever thinking, I'm going to be senior pastors of a ministry. No. No. Because no. you guys both had like entertainment stuff, creative, creative stuff, that kind of thing. Like, like talk about that transition. Cause that's a huge sacrifice from one way you think you're going to live into something else. Like how did that all happen? Well, for me, I always wanted to do like uh, business and entertainment. I wanted to be um, in business entertainment or anything that would generate like income to be able to invest and help people. So that was always my calling. But um, I served in kids ministry um, and I had done pretty well for myself, you know, not not rich or anything, but done pretty well for myself. And then right around the time I started coming to Oasis, a lot of my business dealings and entertainment dealings would just go left for no apparent wow. reason. Things that were successful before just were unsuccessful. I'd be involved with projects where everyone's making millions of dollars. And as soon as I get involved, we don't know what happened. This thing just fell apart. And so I served, <laughs> I served in kids ministry in preschool. And it was my first time serving. And there was a little boy named Lee who was completely nonverbal. He was three years old and had never said a word his entire life. And this is my first Sunday. So I'm serving in kids ministry. And for some reason, he was the only little boy there. And so I show up. He says, yeah, this is how you deal with him. He's completely nonverbal and felt the Lord say he can talk. Wow. He can talk. And so um, I prayed for him to be able to speak. Uh, Christine actually has a picture saved somewhere. He sits down in my lap. We read a book together. And I said, all right, buddy, you ready? Here we go. And I said, say elephant. And the little boy went elephant. Wow. And all the it volunteers, my first Sunday serving in kids, I wasn't on staff. They called his parents and Lee began to talk to his parents like right there. Had never said a word for three years. They're weeping. The volunteers are crying. And that's when I was like, this is the only thing in the last 18 months in my life that has happened this way. And that's when I started to think that I might be called to, uh, to ministry. Picture. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. But yeah. I wish our viewers could see that or our listeners could hear that. I see that. I can't yeah. talk. 
That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's so amazing. It was like you heard God and it just opened up this little boy's life yeah. and his capacity and relationship. I mean, that's wow. So that was my so first time. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting. I think this is something that I'm still kind of like walking through because when I, <laughs> yeah. just being honest, but I, I came out here to do television and you know, when I first got started, I, I've never sent out a resume. I've just always felt God's favor on that. Um, and it was very stressful, but I, I started getting a lot of favor towards the end, right before I got called into ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had a little bit of the opposite where I was like gaining mm -hmm. momentum <laughs> and then it was like the call to ministry. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm realizing though, that one of my favorite things to do is to encounter people mm. that have never been in church. I, and I think that it's just marrying the two. Like I can still do that. Um, yeah. I can still minister to people that don't know the Lord. And uh, that's where I feel creative. A lot of the times is resourcing people, whether it's getting them in community or connecting them to the church or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a journey, but it's really cool to see how God just like does all that. Cause like you said, like I never thought I'd marry a pastor. Mm. And so when I met him and he wasn't a pastor, it was like, Oh, and now to see how it all worked out. And I didn't have, I mean, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's just a really big Testament to how God works in your life and guides your steps. Even when you're, that's not your trajectory, you know? Well, talk about that if you can, I mean, maybe it's too personal, but to go on the, the, the part of where you, Everything's going really well for you. You came out here for a reason. And then God asked you kind of to surrender that reason. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, or life does. Life, like all of a sudden you're just, uh, how did you do that? Like what, what was the exchange that God was asking for in the sense of like, don't go down this path, go down this path. Was it just through the, the marriage and all of a sudden Julian took on this role or was it you guys did this together and this is what God was showing you? Yeah, I think it started with, the marriage. Um, in 2008, before I, I ever had a boyfriend, before I even knew his name, I had a very close friend of ours who ended up being a mentor to Julian when he first came to Oasis. Wow. Um, we had this kind of prophetic Bible study slash worship night that we used to do at my friend's house. And he has a crazy prophetic gift. And one night we were just worshiping and praying and he just comes over to me and he's like, I have a word from the Lord for you. And he just starts prophesying over me. And he says, you're going to marry a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like <laughs> looking behind me, like, who's he talking to? Like, you know, because it was <laughs> not on my radar of things to do in this lifetime. And so, um, when he said that, and he gave me a timeline, you know, and when the timeline didn't line up, I was like, Oh, cool. Kind of like dodge that one. And then I met, <laughs> I met Julian in 2010. And even as we started getting to know each other and you know, he's a creative and all this different stuff. I'm just like, wow. And, but then God just started going crazy in Julian's life. Mm -hmm. Like Julian would lead people to Christ it, at his job. And I started seeing things happen with him where I'm like, oh, like he really has this thing with the Lord. Um, and, and then he started getting involved in the church just on a volunteer level. And then he became on staff and it was really Julian that came to me with a prophetic unction of just like, Hey, I think they're going to ask you to, to come on staff. I think you're called to, to ministry in this way. Wow. And I was like, are you sure? Like, I don't even know if they know who I am. Cause I served as a volunteer, but I wasn't in it like he was wow. on staff. And so 
he was right. Two weeks later, our pastor came into his office and said, hey, do you think Christina would ever want to? And so that's when we started having talks about it. And honestly, like everything after that has just happened so fast that I think I lean on that word a lot that God said it a long time ago, because I don't know that if God hadn't said that way before I met him, that I would not question, hey, I wonder if this is something that like I'm just following him to do, or if this is mm-hmm. something that God told me even before I knew oh, him. So good. Yeah, I love how that works where God just plants those kind of monumental things that we'd stand in, you know, mm-hmm. having done all stand in your faith, because it does get challenged, especially when we live in a kind of a modern Christian culture where you can do work and you can do entertainment, you can do ministry, you can do it all, but there's times that God just is like, hey, I'm going to set you apart for something. You guys definitely got set apart because now you're the senior pastors there. How did that happen? How did you go from like, you're on staff, both of you are on staff, and it was for a while. And then all of a sudden, like the Wagners ended up retiring or transitioning. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think um, there was a personal process with uh, one that was letting go of what we felt our creativity, what we wanted our creativity to be for. And it kind of just broke down to this thing where I feel like creativity is simply at its core divine problem solving. Even if you look at like the last, and I was a songwriter, but if you look at uh, the last five out of whatever, I forget the stat, but um, the songs that broke record on radio were about one was happy. Another one was a black eyed peas about being happy. So here's the world in a dark place. And what's breaking records are songs about happiness and joy. Mm. And so God's solution to darkness in a world being void was creativity. And so then it helped me say, hey, if I can find the largest problems in the world to use my creativity, which is people's lack of relationship with God is the biggest problem in the world. Then now I look back on my life. And if you watch my sermons, a lot of my sermons I've taken my delivery style to comedians and it helped me shake because I went to Groundlings Improv School when I was oh, like, I didn't know that. You are so funny. It's so true. And wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. And so Which now- Groundlings for the, our listeners is where like Melissa McCarthy went and um, Coolidge yeah. and like so many of the comedians that are in movies and television now and a lot of stand-ups. Our own Cammie Burkell, who's a friend of ours. I don't know if you ever knew Cammie. But um, so many, so many people. So I love that you as a pastor actually said, I'm going to take this and hone my creativity because I could definitely see the the level of excellence and just, you're such a great communicator. I would encourage our listeners, do yourself a favor and listen to their church services because you're going to get so much out of it, but keep going. I, I just wanted to, I, I'm advertising you guys in the middle of it. Yeah, but <laughs> I can't help it. thank you, man. That was a great plug. Good plug. But, but again, <laughs> it's not just like sitting down and saying, hey, I need a prophetic word. I do that stuff and pray, but I also am able to watch stand-up comedians and watch their delivery mm-hmm. and so incorporate cool. that. So I'm incorporating the, some of the creative things that I wish I was able to do and in, in what I do now. And at the end of the day, at my core, I believe that I just always wanted to solve problems. People are sad. I wanted to make them laugh. People are broken. I wanted them to be healed. And wow. there's nothing better that solves problems than creativity. So how did you transition from knowing you're on staff at a church, you've kind of laid down one level of creativity and picked up another level of creativity and then pastors are now leaving and head head transplants don't often work when mm-hmm. a senior pastor leaves and another senior pastor, especially because it's a power couple and another power couple comes in that often does not work. As a matter of fact, I think statistics are radically against you guys. And yet yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What's happened. So talk about like the God journey story of that. 
Yeah. Well, for me personally, what, what happened was is, is, um, it's a, a bit of dynamic between Philip and Hall, Philip and me specifically. So really, um, um, I, I was known as the kids with kid whisper. So, um, I was serving in preschool and the nursery and I was the only guy. I mean, all the years of Oasis <laughs> pretty much had never had a guy wow. serve in preschool and, um, uh, the nursery. And I started to develop a reputation, um, as like, I have my own puppets that I would do the puppet show. So <laughs> Wait, like, tell them the names of the puppets. So, they were so, so good. I, they were racially diverse. So, uh, uh, TD milkshakes, <laughs> Yes. Reverend Billy Graham cracker was a puppet. Oh my gosh. And I had a Hispanic one Tito testimony and it was <laughs> huge. And parents would be in the hallways watching these puppet shows take place. So one I kind of want to watch one right now. Can you go get the puppet? <laughs> yeah. TD milkshakes was no joke. And the kids used to stand in line for a word and I'd have the puppet laying hands on them and giving them a word of encouragement. Oh my God. It was insane. It was so good. Literally a prophetic conference for preschoolers. And so the parents went and told told Pastor Philip, there's this guy back there. And so what happened was, is I was serving every other week. That's a volunteer schedule. So then I went on one of my weeks to serve and several parents told me that our kids won't come in there if you're not there. So now we come to church twice a week or twice a month because our kids won't go back there if you're not there. So I started serving every Sunday so that parents could come and the church blew up. And then Philip came back there and it's like, who's this guy that parents won't drop their kids off if he's not back there? And he he introduced himself to me and begin, we begin to spend a lot of time together. Wow. Uh, um, then uh, Pastor Philip got cancer. Mm. Um, and then in that recovery was really, really tough. There was a lot of transition in our church. He pretty much was not available for 18 months and put certain people in positions, uh, that, that did their best, but it just was really a tough season. And at that point, um, my influence in the church was already really large. Like, and so then a consultant came in and said, I was in youth and kids and said, Hey, if you don't pull him out of kids and help have him help you lead the church then, you know, um, I don't know how this is going to turn around. So barring, I had told Christina that I believe the Lord had showed me that we were supposed to take over the church at some point, but I didn't know what it looked like. Wow. So you knew that? I did know. Um, it just didn't make any sense that I had that little experience in ministry. And I'm talking about everything I touched at Oasis just blew up. If I was in it, it just mm-hmm. went well. Wow. And so then um, Philip went to Africa and went to Watoto and he was expressing to someone that he was exhausted and, uh, and he needed leaders. And, um, pastor Gary told him, well, you don't need a leader. You need a spiritual son. He -hmm. said, these, if if you give your church to a son, who's your spiritual son? And he was like, well, Julian. And from that conversation, everything changed. I started, uh, preaching a lot and sharing a lot. And then in January of uh, 2018, he said he wanted to take a sabbatical. Some doctors recommend he take five months off. And the board decided that they wanted to leave, have me to be the interim lead pastor for five months. And that was 2018. Church completely blew up. The attendance, everything that you measure a healthy church blew up for five or six months. And when he came back, 
he basically said, I don't feel like I'm supposed to take this back. Uh, wow. What does it look like to, um, for you and Christina to be the next pastors? Um, and that, that must was- have been so amazing for them, though, just as far as like looking at their lives. And they have so much legacy of, I mean, so many people emerged from that church that have affected the world. Like I think of uh, Christine Kane in a way, that was kind of her launch pad and several mm-hmm. other people. And and it must have felt so good to have, to leave a thriving church that already had spiritual sons and daughters, you know, and yeah. they're still involved. But I mean, just as far as, you know, like as far as that, that that's, the, that's the dream. That's the idea. So that's, wow. That's and really also, cool. Also, I think it's important to mention that, you know, in this season of, you know, really like intense racial tension, that transition helped me have a much more healthier perspective than maybe another black leader would have had. Why? Because Pastor Philip was living in Little Rock, Arkansas during the Little Rock Nine and desegregating schools. And Pastor Philip had family members, church members of the church he grew up in, a little boy, standing, protesting the desegregation of schools. Wow. He had family members. He was there. And he had family members and church members screaming that they don't want their little Philip going to school with, uh, you know, with black with Ruby Bridges and black kids. That's and crazy. so he knew people in his circle of influence that were against that. And so for this man now being white, 60 years later to grow up and give his church to a black man, it just prophetically spoke to me that no matter what I'm seeing on the news, there are someone who's being exposed to this right now that 60 years later will make a decision that's the exact opposite of what we're seeing on the media, mm-hmm. what wow. we're seeing. So it was hard for I me like to- I have chills right now. That's just so crazy. So it was hard for me to live like in this reality when the truth was, wow. you know, a white pastor gave a black man his, his, his life's work. And that was my worldview. And so it allowed me to pastor people from a different place while still being upset or, or frustrated. I was not hopeless because I've seen God move um, in, in, in race, even uh, obviously you can't see us, but we're, we're interracial and our, our legacy was interracial. It's interesting because I heard TD Jakes a couple of times speaking over the last season of racism and what's been going on. And one of the things that he said is that we as the church owe the world the story of what God's doing in race. And we haven't been giving that story. And and we as church pastors and leaders, those who lead churches and, and, and ministries, we owe the world God's narrative. And we haven't been giving it for so long. We've just wow. taken it for granted that it's happening. And if we would just, um, if every church would just spend some time on this, like the, the world does Black History Month, if we would just spend some time on different um, racial issues, not just black, white, but any of them. And I, when I heard that from him, I just thought, it's one of the reasons why we do this show is like we're exploring the prophetic. We're exploring how God's voice makes a difference in our world and the world around us. And when people hear that, it's no longer like, am I, do I hear from God sometimes or not? It's mm-hmm. like, a, oh, I, I need to walk with God. It's mm-hmm. not about a gift, the prophecy. It's like, I need to walk in connection in my prayer life, mm-hmm. my work, the Bible and his voice. And so I really love what you're saying because your, your narrative and it's obviously defined as a faith narrative has defined something that a lot of people can listen to and hear. And it's like, it doesn't erase damage, but it actually gives hope and it gives vision. And yes. that to me is like, that's so huge. Okay. So let's go into this because you've been pastoring this church through, you inherit the church and you don't have very long before the pandemic breaks out. Four months. So the pandemic, four months. And so you, and, and talk about this because God really prepared you. We, we met right around that time. And 
you have you were like talking about like we're gonna give up this building because we don't really need it. We're gonna have our employees uh, and our staff work from home. This is before the pandemic, and I was just thinking like I don't know if I could ever do that with my own Bulls ministry staff, which I had to a few months later. But like I I was like that's really bold. Like that's really intense. Like that you feel like you can have the same synergy. You were already kind of about to walk into this pandemic. I feel like on the winning side of it versus some of us who had to use our reactionary energy or adaptive energy, like you were already leading towards us. So talk about how God spoke to you guys and led you into this. Cause it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it started with, uh, you know, Christine and I chatting up the Lord told me to sell out sell the office building, um, wow. that we weren't going to need it. Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? We come here every single day, sell the office building. You're not going to need it. Now's the time to put it up for sale, sell the office building. And so this was in June of 2019. We put our office building up for sale. And people are like, where are we going to work? And I'm like, from home. And I'm like, and everybody's like, that's how are we going to get anything done? I'm like, we got to figure it out. God said, sell the office building. Maybe we'll figure out a place we can go once a week and gather together. But I think we're supposed to work from home and we're supposed to just be with our families and do all this stuff. And so we put the office building up for sale. And um, then fast forward to January um, uh, when Kobe Bryant passed, I was like, "Uh oh, I was like, stuff like this doesn't happen. Mm. I was like, I just felt like, hey, guys, we got to get ready. This is going to be a very difficult year. Wow. And I had um, lunch with a a film producer and nonprofit uh, partner that we have. And um, in the, at the end of the lunch, he said something to me in January of 2020. He says, hey, I came to your church because while Toto, you know, when you guys bring those orphans, I always come. I'm not super a church guy, so I come about once a year. He said, but I want to ask you a question. I think there's something you need to think about. And I said, what? He said, what would you do if you couldn't come to church on Sundays? How would you reach people with the message of Jesus? Wow. Like, you need to get prepared for a day where it's not just Sunday. And did so that I feel had, like super conspiracy or did it go in as a seed in your heart? At, no, at first it felt like I was just listening to a guy, honestly, that didn't like church. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but when he asked me, why do you have to go to church every single Sunday? I was like, because the Bible says not for the gathering of the saints. You know what I mean? Like, didn't know, like you know, I, just, I quoted a scripture, but I didn't have a conviction. Mm, it was yeah. just more of because that's what we do. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. I think we're not supposed to do that in this next season. And so we had tons of meetings about what would it look like to not have church at the building on Sunday and go into homes. We were already moving in a direction to see how often we would not have church on Sunday and have home gatherings. And people are like, I just don't think it's going to work. People are going to leave the church. Within two months of those meetings, it was exclusively home gatherings. But I had been preaching for two months to our church. Hey, the time is coming where you will not be able to rely on this. So our church was mobilized already because I'm saying, hey, you're, this is too reliant on Sunday services. This is too reliant on me. We're going to mm-hmm. have to learn to unpack who Jesus is in yeah. our homes. So those were all the sermons leading into the pandemic. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm, just, I'm kind of in awe. I'm just kind of speechless from the fact that God prepared you guys so well now that the pandemic has changed a little bit where we're able to kind of gather you guys just did your first gathering recently right yeah yeah we did did it was amazing like it was so good it was it was good to like see people it was good to be 
on the other side of what we felt like were a lot of layers, like God was moving, but also there was just some, you know, forces against churches gathering that we had all processed well. And, and uh, it was amazing. It really was. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you kind of a strange question. It's not really strange. It's in your wheelhouse, but it may be strange because I don't ask these kinds of questions often, but um, since it's, it's somewhat post pandemic, some people met all the way through. Some people are just now meeting again, like our church or your church, Um, you know, but people have been disconnected to some degree. So, what do you think, both of you, I want both of you to answer this if you feel it. Um, what do you think ministry leaders should be preaching right now on Sunday mornings? Mm. There's so much that's happened. We've had politics, we've had racism, we've had a pandemic, we've had, there's so much polarizing, divisive stuff out there. We've had Democrat, Democrats and Republicans together in churches, and now they don't, they don't want to be in church together. Like we've had so many things happen through the pandemic and through this last year that's been intense. How can a pastor lead right now or how can people what should they be preaching and it may be different for both of you relationship with jesus i think julian really made the pivot and it started in the beginning of the pandemic of really helping people get back to what is it like for me to have a relationship with jesus the living god not with the pastor not with the face of the church not even with uh, the people on staff or even the people in community like what does it look like for you to read the scriptures Um, We're doing a a series right now called Foundations. Like, what does it look like to get back to basics so that you, Sean, or me, Christina, have a foundation uh, to base our relationship and our faith in Jesus Christ on? And, you know, I think I I think that is something that maybe has even gotten lost a little bit. I think that you, you think about like the Billy Graham Crusades and how droves and droves of people got saved and revival was happening that's all he was preaching was the the gospel of Jesus and yeah, salvation mm-hmm, and relationship with Jesus Christ. And so um, I, I think it's just that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think I, I would say definitely that, but I also think that pastors, and it's hard for me to say pastors should be preaching this, but I feel like what I'm committed to preaching is, is being transparent about where I've gotten it wrong dealing with social issues yeah. and how the scripture and God has spoken to me to correct something That's in good. me, because I That's think if so we're trying to correct them, uh, typically we go, you know, uh, let's say we're talking about racism, you know, and I've had different approaches to it that were wrong. I said, Hey, I've posted some things that were wrong. Yeah. I've posted some things that have inflamed and put gasoline on, on the fire. Mm-hmm. And I would say things like, the message of the world is no justice, no peace, but I'm learning and I have learned. I used to agree with that, but now I don't. I mm. think it's no justification, wow. no peace. Yeah. If you don't know the way God sees you, if you don't know that God's made you yeah. righteous, you'll never you'll never have peace. So now I used to fight for peace and now I fight with it. Oh, wow. And <laughs> people go... Why are you going to listen to Julian on Sundays? Okay, keep going. <laughs> it, it is, um, back to, back to um, comedy, one of the highest levels of comedy that make people laugh every time are self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. When comedians make fun of themselves, people can connect. So, so I want people, I think the church should be preaching messages where people can go, me too. Mm. Not that's me, mm-hmm. me too. So you're sharing something, I've gotten it wrong. Mm-hmm. And someone can go, yeah, me too. That is what I think. Uh, not it's that's me I so agree with you. I was studying leadership um, right before the pandemic broke out. So the, for two years before I was studying um, 
about expertise and leadership and these kinds of things. And just, you know, I do a lot of leadership consulting. And uh, one of the one of the groups out of uh, Sanford in psychology uh, said that uh, they did a study for a number of years on experts, people who are experts in their field. And they found that 98% of people who are labeled an expert never learn again. Mm. They never learn anything significant again. Like they just have no pressure or urgency to grow. And so then uh, a, a different group, I won't say who it is, but a Christian kind of Christianity Today kind of group, uh, did a study on pastors, local pastors. They surveyed 3,000 pastors, a number of questions to find out their own assessment of their own expertise and found out that out of the 3,000 pastors, 2,900 of them felt like they were the experts of their field or in their city as far as Christianity and, and pastoring. Wow. So when you put those two together, it shows that a lot of people stop growing. Mm. And so we're leaning out of a place of not, this is what I'm learning, but this is what I've already learned. I already have answers for you versus I don't know yet, but I'll, I'll find out or I'm going to try and I want to grow into that too. And so I think I love the humility of what you're talking about and how there's a new model here of just how when you add spiritual intelligence to emotional intelligence, how something happens. And so I love the way you're leading. I love, I love that I asked that question because I think it's really foundational. Like I learned something through it and I know our listeners will too. Well, tell us this, how do people tune into Oasis and how do people follow you guys? Oh, well, I mean, obviously, you know, um, you can watch us at a, every Sunday at oasisla.org. You can uh, follow uh, me on Instagram at uh, Julian Lowe. And babe, your Instagram is Christina Lowe LA. Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> the other Christina it. Lowe, the Christina Lowe was taken art. Yeah. So. so how dare she? <laughs> no. Unbelievable. <laughs> that's well, thank you guys so much for being on today. It's just such a great conversation. And we love you and we can't wait to see just this next season of just you guys are thought leaders and I can't wait to see what happens. Thank you so much for having us. Thank it you was so a much. Great pleasure. We loved it. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.